In a world where two duck fans wanted to record a podcast about Oregon duck sports and other stuff, this, this podcast is what they came up with. I know, it's not very good, but it's the best they could do. Anyway, welcome to the flock. We lost a few games, tough. That was District 5. Now we're the ducks. Yeah. And the ducks... Yeah. Are undefeated. All right. Welcome everybody to the flock pod. Hashtag fifty five double nickel. Speed yeah. limit, baby. Speed limit. We Get made it. There. We are at the Flock Pod on all of your major social media platforms. I myself am at Coach Justin D on the same platforms. Shane, tell them where you are. I am at Shane Potter Six on the Twitter and at Walk of Flocka Shane Six on the Instagram. I didn't forget it that time, bro. Our intro's gotten so much better. Like yeah. it's gotten really good. I'm proud of us. I'm always proud of myself when I can not forget my own name with a number attached to it. That is nice. Yeah. It is nice. Your little identity that we have in today's culture, <laughs> but we won't go into that conversation. That's a different podcast. Uh, we got a really fun one for you today. We're going to cover some West Coast CFB material. Who is our partner? Thank you so much for that beautiful partnership. We're also going to get into our normal Justin Herbert Pro Ducks of the Week, which is, of course, you know, the running elk himself this week on the offensive side. The only surprise really is on the defensive side. And some more football news, a little bit of a tight end room breakdown, and a fun basketball question, which I imagine will take a little bit longer than we suspected to. I'm going to spiral into something else. Yes, because always shenanigans if you have listened to any of our material (laughs) before. And if you're a first-time listener, thanks. We love you. Thanks for listening. Welcome. Tell your friends. Because we need all the listeners we can get. Um, We have some new producers in the household today. So that is why we had no pod last week. I myself have been in puppy land. Uh, They actually have their own Instagram now themselves. So if you want to go... their Instagram? Yeah, I'm going to go follow at the Avatariers. They are Toph and Sokka. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Avatariers. We went there. We did it. Um, But yeah, we got a fun one for you today. So let's just jump right into it, Shane, because they are sleeping and let's take advantage um, Pro Ducks, Justin Herbert, the obvious slam dunk on the offensive yep. side. The, I just can't say this enough, Shane. I was wrong. Yep, the automatic right in, Big Herb. Got his first win at 39-29 against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. Uh, this game was the most complete command he's had of a game. Yeah, absolutely. And also, it was kind of our first opportunity to see him play with a lead, which is also mm-hmm. interesting. Well, and it really shows to me that the coaching staff is beginning to trust him a little bit more, mm-hmm. and they're expanding the things that he can do. Yeah. They're they're allowing his toolbox to grow a little bit, which can only serve him until it doesn't anymore. Right. Uh in particular in the running game in this uh he had nine carries for sixty six yards and a touchdown. Uh his career high in rushing yards, I think in carries as well. I'm not sure on that one. Uh, he went 27 for 43 passing, yeah. uh, which is a lot of throws. Had a big day. Just had yeah. a big day. I mean, literally, this was one of the ca- the games you could see, like, okay, kid, here's the keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he threw the ball for three touchdowns on 347 yards passing. He had a 111.3 passer rating. 
um, 8.07 yards per pass attempt, which is the second highest of the season. Wow. And only sacked once, which is lowest of the season. One, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken, I think was one of the best, if not the best, fantasy scorer for the day from the quarterback position also. I played against him in not the Triple Crown, but the WWFL. WWFL. He yep. had 48.48, I believe. So right there in that Kyler Murray range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a, just a huge day. And again, I can't... The things that we saw at Oregon are manifesting at the pro level now in even a bigger way. They are really allowing all of his positive tools to be amplified and his weaknesses to be even more mitigated. Mm-hmm. And this was a complete like unleashing, definitely like letting the car, this is letting the Ferrari out and like really like putting the pedal down. Let the elk go. <laughs> Do you think, I've been kind of seeing this on Twitter more and more. Do you think that uh, he was held back at Oregon due to who our former offensive coordinator is now at UNLV, who did not have his good best for showing on Saturday. No, they did not have a very good showing. Um, I don't know if they were so much holding him back. I think that he was just playing within the greater scheme that Cristobal has and that the, the other coaches there on the staff. I mean, let's be this kid continues to get better. Mm-hmm. too. I mean, I think that's something that we have to take into consideration is that he's a legit genius. I mean, he's super-duper smart, super-duper smart. He's going to get in the weight room. He's going to, you know, devour that playbook. He's going to do everything he can to make himself better. I just think that they sometimes just wanted to win games at Oregon as opposed to showcasing him like they did in some of those Joey Harrington years. That was my exact argument to somebody. It was like, we went to the Rose Bowl and we beat Wisconsin. So what what are you really saying? Now. What was supposed to happen more than that? I, I equate it to when Spider-Man got the new iron suit from Tony Stark and like took the training wheels off too early, <laughs> you know, and started making a bunch of mistakes because he still was within the confines of Oregon. He was still making a lot of mistakes. He wasn't yeah. seeing a lot of really blatant, wide open throws. And that was one of my biggest concerns coming in was we knew he had all of the physical tools was his decision-making and was his vision going to be good enough to make his accuracy on points enough to be successful at the professional level? And that's what we're seeing. He, he is now seeing more of those windows. And again, I attribute a lot of this to Pep Hamilton. I think that he is like that is a match made in heaven with those two guys because he's like, oh, I got another Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy how similar they ended so up So similar, yeah. incredibly similar. And just <clears throat> especially the analytical and also – listen to Herbert and listen to Luck in an interview. Tell yeah. me they're not similar people. Very, very similar. And just kind of like the way that they, they look at the game, mm-hmm. uh, the way that they, you can tell that they kind of consume it. It's it's nice to see you come full circle. Earlier when you called him a genius, I thought that was the setup for a joke. I was like <laughs> waiting for you to like no. have some sort of dig. And I was like, oh, no, you're serious. You're just calling him a genius. I have strong takes. I understand <laughs> this. But when I'm wrong, when I see myself being obviously wrong, I'll call myself out. And this That's and good. I want to root for this kid. I am, I'm going to retire the other moniker until we see it manifest again. If we do, I mm-hmm. hope we don't. This is He's now the elk. Yeah, and the he Chargers is, are fun to watch. They're really fun to watch. Like I said, they, they're bordering on my AFC team, and they are now basically officially become my AFC team. They're my side team. I'm, they're the team I'm paying attention yeah, to. Yeah, they're most, my side sure. team. They're, they're becoming my mistress over there. So they're just so fun to watch, especially those uniforms are so nice. Oh, they're so clean. They look yeah. so, so good. And it's Sandy. I mean, well, they were in San Diego. I still think of them as the San Diego Me Chargers. Too. They should have never left. That's the one thing I'm going to hold against them a little bit. But if my man Chewy, who's a huge Charger fan lives down there doesn't have to i don't have to either yeah well i mean you'd want to play in that 
cathedral they built too. I mean, that place is it's not so bad, high. Shane. Pretty it's cool. Not bad at all. All right, what about the defensive side of the ball? Defensive side of the ball, we got the cornerback from the Cleveland Browns who picked up a 37-34 win against the in-state rival Bengals, Mr. Terrence Mitchell, who had four solo tackles and two passes defended. He was. I was watching. Uh, this wasn't on one of the games we had on at work, but it was. I was kind of paying attention to a red zone. I wanted to bet on the Bengals. They were getting like plus six and a half. They I were a real popular bet this mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah, I always just then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Like, why am I betting on either <laughs> one of these teams? Like I said, oh, get back to Herbert real quick. He hit all of his overs last week. Yeah, he, he passing did. yards, touchdowns, rushing yes, yards. Yes, he did. Um, and on pace to possibly hit his over for touchdowns on the season. Yeah, uh, which is actually pretty crazy, yes. especially just like with how we didn't even know if he was going to play and all yeah, the other things absolutely. going into that. Uh, Terrence Mitchell is actually quietly having a pretty good season. He's now at 32 total tackles with 25 solo and eight passes defended. I think he might have slipped through the craps one, the cracks one week uh, against the Cowboys in week four. He had 12 tackles, 11 solo. He's getting a lot of chances, Shane. You're getting a lot of opportunities when you're playing defense for the Cleveland Browns. Um, but I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see the kids succeeding and just once again um, showing what men of Oregon are capable of when really given the opportunity at the professional level. And a couple more. So, I mean, we're kind of doing Week 7 products a little preemptively with it being Monday Night yes. Football. Yeah, we got some guys still to play tonight. out uh, any hope for Troy Hill and also Justin Hollins, who's getting leaned on more and more. We saw him a lot two weeks ago, not as much last week. But the Rams are kind of pulling linebackers off the street right now. Everybody is. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, and that's kind of why Troy Hill was actually moved over the nickel. I talked about this earlier, was trying to help stop the run. So tonight it might be a big opportunity for Hill going up against Montgomery with the Bears offense, who's touch and go, a good way to put it, I guess. Yeah, they're weird. It's it's a weird offense for sure. I actually like the Rams a lot in this game, um, like a lot, a lot, to be honest. I just I, minus six. Do you like them that much? I like them a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah, I like I them a lot. Rams a lot. money line with the under 40, 44 and a half. I could see this getting weird offensively. I think whatever team goes up early might try and just kind of like juice the clock a little bit. I could see that. I could definitely see that. I just I think this NFC West NFC West is still very underrated, even though a lot of people are calling them the best division in football. It's still under. I mean, all four of these teams are very good, and there's talent at every single level. Um, random question. If an NFL team called you tomorrow and wanted you to come play for them, what position would you play in the NFL? Man. Like uh, I immediately go like kicker or punter, so I can't get touched. Well, yeah. no. <laughs> 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 Backup quarterback? Yeah, that's, is that that's, an option? That's a good um, Well, I was just thinking about it because like, when you say calling linebackers off the street, it's like, man, I don't think I would play linebacker. Yeah, yeah, I definitely a, wouldn't be a linebacker. It's kind of a nasty position. Even though I don't think I would want – I would see myself as like an H-back or something weird like that, like some kind of like fullback, tight end, hybrid kind of position. If it was like my dream dream scenario, I think I'd be a wide receiver. Well, yes. I think I'm, I'm about 6'3". I but like you're not run. too much of a diva. <laughs> that's true <laughs> I don't know I don't see you I mean I can I see you as a DB yeah. I can see you as a DB I mean, playing for safety sure. would be fun yeah. play a little center field yeah I think that. okay getting back on topic uh, yeah so 
<laughs> Sorry, getting attacked. By Producer Zuko, Zuko he is just, uh, uh, apparently isn't getting enough attention right now. <laughs> All right, Zuko, I'm gonna put you down. He is wanting to get you back on subject. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Come on, man, focus, focus." Um, yeah, so I think that Troy Hall's a good chance. Justin Hollins, uh, it'd be cool to see him step up. It would be cool if like they could, you know, shut down the Bears' offense a little bit, and I think then Jared Goff could go ahead and take over the game tonight. So yeah. Big week for some products this week. Also, DeForest Buckner last week had a huge game. Six tackles, sack, two for a loss, forced fumble. I mean, if we want to be honest, we could probably just call him the defensive player of the week every single week. He's doing a lot. They run by this week, though. Yeah, and he's doing a lot of Aaron Donald things. Mm A lot of Aaron Donald things. And Eric Armstead, not looking so hot these days. Really struggling. Yeah, Yeah, really struggling. That whole Niner. Well, and again, like we talked about with the Niners, that was such a beautiful mosaic. They took all these pieces that really didn't fit well in other teams, but within their scheme and with... When everybody else does their job, it amplified people around them. And mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty – I mean, even Armstead was similar that way when he was here at Oregon. So it's it's interesting that that is the case. But I think it's something that we could have foreseen just a scotch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we're going to change up. We're going to switch gears here just a little bit and jump on to westcoastcfb.com. If you haven't logged into their site today, please do. Give them some love. Go read one of their excellent articles. This week, we are going to jump into their article titled 2021 Pac-12 Preseason All-Conference Team. So we're just going to break down the ducks on this list and let you guys go see the players that are ahead of them. Uh, First team offense, we got one duck in C.J. Verdell. I think that's, you know... Fair. Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, you would have seen Suell, obviously, Mm -hmm. on this list if he was still um, here at Oregon. Um, And it's a little unnerving almost as an Oregon duck now to see these O-lines and not see a duck on there. I've almost gotten accustomed to seeing us as that top echelon unit kind of within the program or, excuse me, within the conference. Um, The conference is really good. Yeah. I think people are really undervaluing the – and, again, it's the classic West Coast bias. Oh, those pansies, they're starting later in the year. They're afraid of COVID, all that kind of stuff. Well, look out because this is a really, really good conference, and you see it by the just the talent up here at the top. Yeah, I think Arizona State and USC especially are going to really – I mean, USC won't really surprise people, but get people back into thinking that they're, you know, what they were formerly. And then Arizona State I do see as a big surprise team nationally. Who wants to go play at Utah right now? Yeah. Like, I mean, then that's a team that no one's talking about, but no one ever wants to go play there. It's just, there's a lot of really tough um, locations. A lot of, anyway, uh, CJ Verdell, the obvious slam dunk pick here, probably the best running back um, on the West Coast overall. I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like we talked about, it has an outside, outside, outside shot to contend for some awards out there on a national level. Yeah. And as we talked about last week, has a lot of help, too. Yes. So, yes. like, a lot of change of pace back so that he can kind of focus on just being, like, your every down, move the ball down the field back, which I think he'll do really well. And I think the offensive line not having any on uh, any of these teams, spoiler alert, but I think it's just due to a lack of inexperience, which we kind of touched on before as well. Well, and the, the, this list there, they're really seeming to go for the, the big time talent guys, the guys that have really been in the news and they're just better known, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why, again, go look at the article, but why USC has so many names on this list. Yeah. yeah a scary amount. Yes. Uh, first team defense, no big surprises here. We got Kayvon Thibodeau, everybody expecting to be a potential, you know, national defensive player of the year candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's looking for him to make that jump as he finished last year on such a high note. And then the return of Bump Millie, Diamador Lenore. Harry Potter himself. Mm-hmm. Always love seeing his name on that list. 
I think, again, if we would have had the secondary expected to, this would be dominated by Oregon Ducks. This yeah, entire I think this list. first-team defense, you'd also have, you know, uh, Graham, Holland, Holland, Breeze. Potentially Breeze. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think they're better than those guys. I mean, I like Elijah Molden a lot, and I was really sad to see him go be a Husky and not come down here and follow his dad's footsteps. But sometimes you got to do that. You see those um, new Husky uniforms, the All Blacks, that came out today? Nope, don't care. Uh, <laughs> they're they're going to look really cool as they're down 42 nothing in a lot of teams. <laughs> that was really mean and dismissive. <laughs> just, uh, just, That's uh, why I don't think our listeners are going to be offended by that. Well, and it's just hilarious to see all these teams and fan bases that chat all over Oregon trying to make this new transition now trying to cop. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, that's why I went with that, that direction. Um, I think it's just it makes me giggle it makes me mm-hmm. giggle to see all these teams now trying to do the same thing like good luck ucla like good luck washington like you're good arizona states i think done it the best yeah i actually like a lot of their uniforms i hate that ugly maroon that they use but the yellow stuff that they have in the spear mm-hmm. is really cool and like we talked about before i wish they'd go back to the old cartoony logo. yeah yeah but, but i think that you could say that for a lot of programs that's true yeah i'd love to see puddles and more stuff but that's... Uh, i think today was like the anniversary of the unveiling of robo duck i saw that on twitter earlier today I think we just figured out the name of this podcast today. <laughs> we miss you, RoboDuck. So, first team, special teams at kick returner, we got Michael Wright. Do you think he's going to be returning kicks this year? Nope. I don't think so either. <laughs> I thought that was kind of odd. I was like, I Again, mean, well, it's like what we talked about, the, like the big time kicks, like the kicks that we we got to have a good return on or we got to make sure they're, they're secured. Mm-hmm. I could see it. But it's, he's going to be a true specialist. Yay. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of hope we see uh, flock favorite um, David Davis in that role. I think there's a there's enough talent on this roster. I mean, you could see Sean Dollars yeah. back there. I mm-hmm. mean, you're going to see a lot of different guys, I think, return kicks. And that's Cross only, only going to be good for the Ducks to have that because who are you going to prepare for? Yeah. I'm not a big fan of, like, last year and Javion Holland was returning kicks. So it just made me nervous the entire so time. So nervous, yeah. It's not worth it. And with the way that we're so thin now at in that secondary and at that cornerback position especially, keep that guy healthy. Mm-hmm. Let, let some of those young bucks get out there and get a chance. And that way it's a play where, like, okay, I want to make my name on this play. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just you're motivating guys in a different way that in that way. Yeah, and I think it's, it's a good way to get guys kind of, like, on the field, get them exposure, get them used to, like, you know – well, obviously not this year, but the roars of the crowd yeah. and all of that stuff mm-hmm. and get those juices, that composure out those there. Those jitters, man. Yeah. yeah. And now that he's kind of settled into a very, very important role without Thomas Graham, and let's keep him I mean, people, playing. let's be, I mean, go try and return a punt, all right? Like, go go outside with your friends and have them kick you a ball and then run full speed at your face <laughs> and see how well you do. This is this is a tough job. Uh, I mean, yeah. punt returning especially, I think, is scarier than kick returning, but it's... I can't even track the ball. That that's way. what I mean. you got to have people back there that are good at that specific skill set. And in that sense, if he is the best person, then I understand him getting trotted out there every single time. I just don't think you're going to see it every single kick. I think we got a lot of speed on this team. I don't think it... I think, yeah. A lot of Anyways. good hands, a lot of good athletes. All right. Speaking Second of which... Team offense, we got Mr. Johnny Johnson III, J.J. Love Trey. It. Love it, uh, love yeah. it. I was kind of expecting to see Jalen Red on the list as well, but I could also see why. Boy, that Arizona State team is talented. You know, mm-hmm. and for them to have a couple names on here, and spoiler alert, Jaden Daniels, that kid, 
he's gonna. I mean, we saw it last year, Duck fans. That kid's gonna be special. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be really good. He's gonna be special, and so they're gonna amplify those weapons around him a little bit. And there's a couple more Oregon Duck wide receivers that have been dealing with health issues and yada yada, and then some newcomers that could also yes. Uh, so it's the, especially at the wide receiver position throughout the Pac-12. I think that's where you can see. A lot of like ebbs and flows of players throughout the season. There's a lot of talent uh, outside. Second team defense. We have a player who decided to return for this season, and boy, are we happy! So happy, Mr. Jordan Scott. One of my favorite ducks to root for. It just fills out the uniform so beautifully. It just looks like a fridge down there playing defensive line. Mm-hmm. Maybe a guy that has an argument to be on the first team um, over Osa um, up there, but I think he'll have it. This is this is perfect. This is a little bit of bulletin board material. This is a little bit of let's mo- get out there and motivate him. And again, I mean, obviously there are so many preseason like all conference lists. Out right. there in yeah, the ether, exactly. who knows if this is even going to make it into Jordan Scott's hands? We hope so. We hope we hope Jordan Scott's a listener, but um, I just think that he that kid's going to be so good. Yeah, that and kid's going to be so good. A lot of what he does, if you don't study like Oregon tape, doesn't show up on the stat sheet. So he is easy easily overlooked. It's nice to see him at least on this list. I agree, probably first team just for what he does, shutting down. So much of other teams. Offense. So many Aaron Donald things. So many things that don't show up in the stat book. His hands are so heavy that he is so good at getting that interior pass rush for that Oregon Duck defensive line. And he makes all those guys better. He makes all those edge rushers better. Mm-hmm. I'll let you introduce third team offense. It's your favorite player. Wait, wait. I'm scrolling, scrolling. Oh, man. Like, okay. All right. So, Spencer Webb, third team, all all Pac-12 offense here for the tight end spot. Again, talent. The kid has talent. Can he channel it? Can he, in the big moment, you know, make those plays and not get succumbed by the emotions and, you know, make some silly penalties or things of that nature in the season? I don't know. I understand where they're coming from from a pure talent perspective because the kid's really, really good. And I think a lot of this is based off what he did last year and then kind of like projecting what the next step for him is, um, which is that's how you make one of these yes. lists. That's how it's done. Yes. So it, I agree with everything you're saying. We're going to get into the tight ends a little bit here in a second, so we're not going to spend too much time on Spencer It's a good, good little taster, good mm-hmm. little teaser, absolutely. Uh, third team defense, I'll let you introduce. It is one of your favorite players. This guy is one of my favorites, and I'm glad to see him get the shine that he deserves. Mace Funa is a man amongst boys out mm-hmm. there on that edge, and I think that he's going to be really – not only look to to be a statistical contributor and obviously make some big plays, but he's going to be the guy, like almost the emotional leader, like Die was, I think, for that defense last year. And to get guys, and again, Thibodeau is going to be jumping around. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are out there that are going to show a lot of emotion, but I think Foon is going to be the one to help channel this defense and to get them into the spots they need to be. My prediction for end of the season is to be Mace Funa second team all Pac-12, and then down in this slot we'd see one of the freshmen, which I know they're mm-hmm. not really putting. Uh, I don't know if the list really has any incoming freshmen on it, per se. I didn't look for the other teams, but not for Oregon specifically. And I do think that though, like Justin Flo or Noah Swell have the talent to make it on this list. It's just, you know, they just need to be How can you put an incoming? And again, they may not show out early on. I mean, Mm -hmm. we, we remember being frustrated. I mean, not necessarily on this podcast, but Duck fans and the fandom remember being a little frustrated with Thibodeau last year, Mm -hmm. like not making the plays, but also not necessarily put in a position to fail. Oregon coaching staff was really smart. We were talking about the Arizona Cardinals before this game started. They have had Isaiah Simmons in kid gloves 
all right. season long looking to deploy him in positions where he can really be successful and make a positive impact on the game. And boy, did you see it last night. Mm-hmm. So I think that flow and those guys are going to be on a similar, you know, it's it's baby step, baby stepping down the hallway. We're baby stepping through game one. We're baby stepping through game two. And they're only going to be given more leeway as the season goes along. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, like you said with Thibodeau, like it was, it was the right kind of bringing him along. Mm-hmm. It was ignoring... All of us idiot fans out there being like, "Why is he in the game more in these situations?" And then by the end of the year, it was it was what it was supposed to be. You want those young kids to get praised. You don't want to put them in a lot of positions where they're going to make the predictable mistakes of a younger player. You want to be able to give them cookies, not necessarily slapping their hand away. So I think that was very smart by the staff. And these, you know, players, these you know, fifth year senior, uh, you know, Arizona State linebackers or like tight ends or whatever. That have been around, that are twenty, you know, two years old, coming into these guys who are eighteen, nineteen years old, Shoots. knowing that they're a five star, they're gonna smack them in the mouth. Some of those guys are twenty five if they had a Mormon mission, Shane. Yeah, how old's Cam McCormick right <laughs> yeah. now? We'll get into him in a second. Perfect but I think segue. He's like, like a year younger than me. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> so just to kind of put a bow on this list, Oregon does end up with eight selections. Um, little middle of the pack for the Pac twelve. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. It's going to be one of those things where, um, as we've mentioned a couple times in earlier podcasts, this Oregon team is deep. And Mm -hmm. yes, there is talent at the top level, but you go second string, third string, the recruiting for that Cristobal and the staff is just really going to shine through. Yeah, the eight selections was tied for third in the conference. That's, I think it's about, especially with a team that just lost as much as Oregon did through the draft, graduation, and... uh, COVID, man, it's just this whole season. Yeah, yeah, it's really put – I mean, if if we have the team that we thought we were going to have two months ago when the season was getting rolling, like if we were starting – the Ducks would dominate this list. I mean, Mm -hmm. it would be 15 selections. Yeah, even losing, you know, your Herberts and your uh, Brelands and all these other guys. absolutely. Everybody on the offensive line, Calvin Throckmorton, Shane Lemieux. Absolutely. So we do have a lot more news to follow up with there, and we are going to come back with that right after this quick break. All right, welcome back from that ever so quick break. And we're going to jump right into kind of like a a news potpourri here, if you will, about the upcoming season. Shane, why don't you hit us with a couple topics? Yeah, just a quick rundown of football season being a little under two weeks away. Uh, Hey, that's exciting. Yeah, telling me. So I guess the lead topic we should go with is five players testing positive for COVID-19. Inevitable. Um, Yeah, it was going to happen kind of nice that it happened almost exactly two weeks away so they can go through self-isolation, quarantine, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. It did... uh, It did kind of... It canceled uh, a scrimmage, a big... Big learning experience for us as fans is what the team is going to look like moving forward, but more important for them, full contact scrimmage in front of the cameras and get kind of like some of the jitters out of the way. But so that's not going to happen. So we're going to have it's a little bit of a setback for the team moving forward. Absolutely. But again, like you mentioned, having this happen early in the season, hopefully we can get ahead of it. And hopefully it's a little bit of a wake up call to the rest of the kids in the program. And I hope the coaching staff is using it as that like, hey, we got to get our acts right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see even a guy. I mean, look at Cam Newton. I mean, he has he looks like Russell Westbrook out there coming back from COVID. And so it's one of those situations where even if you get it, even if it's not a big deal, being not able to physically, you know, train, getting out away from the team. And you maybe maybe you do have some effects, you know, and and you're seeing that kind of play out now here in the NFL. And so hopefully the Pac-12 and the Ducks in particular can learn from those and get these kids in the best position to really have a good opportunity. They did say all five players are asymptomatic, which is nice. Excellent. Uh, we always want to make sure everybody 
is healthy and feeling We've good. heard a lot of people are asymptomatic, though, and I think some of that's yeah, a little, yeah, it's a little, you know, Petey Sunshine-esque. Yeah, it's convenient, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is the word I'd go with. But um, with all of this being said, something that we've kind of talked at, a little, we've covered heavily, is just the quarterback competition for this season and how this is actually turning, looking to me like it could be one of the biggest uh, benefits for Oregon is having all of these quarterbacks in case of, you know, whatever. I mean, if Anthony Brown is the break glass in case of emergency guy, that might be one of the best ones in the Pac-12. Well, I think one of the best ones in the Pac-12, and then, you know, you go third string, you go fourth string at almost every position, I think, mm-hmm. is on the or this Oregon roster, and we're in a good position to have just next man up, just constant next man up attitude, which isn't ever something you want to see. Obviously, we no, want to see the, the top guys out there. and But again, with, like you're saying, a unique season like we are now embarking upon, depth could be your best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, you know, the season not being underway yet, we do have, uh, Oregon slipping a little bit in the AP polls going from 12 to 13th. Uh, this is pretty much due to the big 10 resuming play and the AP polls wanting to, uh, you know, benefit the teams that are playing football right now. I think that's fair. Yeah. And it makes, I mean, what's in front of your face, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? What's in front of your face. It's, it's a lot of recency bias for sure. And you're going to, the PAC 12 is going to be fighting that now all season, you know, being basically the last conference to get started major conference. And it's going to be an uphill battle. I, I, what, what would your line be right now on a PAC 12 team making the playoff? Uh, the CBS projections that West Coast CFB put out on their Twitter yesterday has Oregon making the playoffs and playing Clemson. Okay. Um, I think that would be tough. I think that would take a 7-0 record with, like, you know, winning every game by, like, 15, maybe, like, three scores every game. It's got to be a dominant season. But that's not the question I asked you. Where do I you're, Yeah, you're a gambling man. What's, what's the line here? What's um, the line? I'd say a Pac-12 making yes. it would be... I think it would be a positive return. I think it would be plus like uh, probably eight to one, six to one, somewhere in there. Right. I think you're 100 percent right. It's it's a and and that's not a crazy long shot, but it 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 sees the landscape fairly. Mm-hmm. I think especially with some of these teams already separating themselves. Alabama's already beaten a couple top five teams. Clemson, everybody. I mean, that's Clemson. There's going to be teams already kind of ingratiated themselves in, and now these Pac-12, like you said, Oregon's going to have to go out and dominate this seven and zero, this seven game season. Well, and it's going to be weird too, when like when Oregon leapfrogs a team that's you know five and zero or something, and Oregon's two and zero. Like I, I know nationally there's going to be some blowback. I think they will do that in the polls just because they want to keep it, you know, seeming like as even as playing field as possible, but. Yeah, I think there's going to be more <laughs> national Pac-12 slander than we're even used to, and it's already kind of a lot. Well, in the Pac-12, just we beat each other up. This is this conference is not this conference is like the Seahawks. There are no normal games. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, you just you know that anybody could beat anybody any any given week, and that's why I was so worried when I saw this schedule for Oregon, and I still am. I would put the odds of Oregon going undefeated pretty far right now. I I love this team. I think this team's talented. I just think that this schedule really sets up in a challenging way to get through unscathed, let alone get through with those kind of dominant performances. We got a kid playing quarterback who's never really played before. Right. And we're just like, oh, he's gonna yeah, he's gonna walk in, he's gonna be Herbert, he's gonna be just like, no, mm-hmm. he's not. 
Yeah, well, I mean, he was like the ninth highest recruit of all time, and like there, there are some things going for him besides just like being the next. Look guy at this up. like role reversal. Here. I kind of like this. Like maybe <laughs> like a negative Nancy. Again, I I don't doubt that the t- the kid is talented, and I want to see him succeed. I just think you're putting a lot of, you know. We're lighting the candles to the cake before the cake's even baked yet. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is due to, as well, like, his stat line from last year. And, like, it's, like, you know, 80% completion or something. And that is a lot to live up to, especially when he was going in these games up by 30-ish points. Well, and what's the cliche? Like, everybody's favorite player is the backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody wants to root for that kid. Everybody, oh, he's going to be so good. He's going to be so mm-hmm. much better than Herbert. And he could be. He, he really, could. he really could be. Showtime yeah. Shook could be a real time thing, and I want it to be. I like the kid. I mean, we liked him a lot when we saw him at the what was that the scrimmage mm-hmm. spring game like a year spring and a half game. ago. Kid's talented. Kid's really, and he's got a little 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 chip on his shoulder. He's got a little something something. And he like he just look. I've stood right next to him. He's big, and he just looks like a quarterback. Like just his presence and his face is like, oh, you're probably pretty good at football. Aren't you? Like, <laughs> Herbert had that a little bit like early on. It was yep. just like, oh, dude, this guy's big. Is yeah. Like, uh, well, I mean, he's six foot six. I mean, that, yeah. that's a monster of a man. But yeah, more news here to get through. But I do think that Oregon is set up well or better than some of these other Pac-12 teams to handle some of these COVID concerns. And how are they going to handle it like a game a day before game day? You know yeah. what I mean? It's going to be interesting because with teams are going to have guys miss games. And I think Oregon is set up better than most to handle that. Mm-hmm. Especially with like if the schedule starts getting moved around. Yes. We don't know really how the conference is going to handle that. Um, so one player has been turning heads so far at fall camp, and it's somebody who kind of was alluding to earlier with some of these freshmen maybe making a splash at wide receiver in the Pac-12. Chris Hudson, the five-star recruit, apparently is looking like he might get some early playing time this season, which would be surprising for a true freshman. Well, and that's kind of a piece that we're, I mean, a lot of the wide receivers we have are very good. Mm-hmm. But boy, could they use that one stud! Yeah, boy, could they use again? Going back to the, I'm going my my lovely Seahawks. Boy, could they use a DK Metcalf, like a guy that Seahawks just a lot today. Hey, boy. just back off! You got <laughs> you walked into my house covered in head to toe Rams gear. Woo! Of course, I'm going to bring the Seahawks talk today. Um, I just think again. Devin Williams could be that kid yep. coming over from USC. So it's it's nice to see that competition allowing the cream to kind of rise to the top because they wouldn't just be saying that to say it. I think that we've learned that enough from this Oregon staff and from some of the guys that cover Oregon that when they get leaked information, most of the time it's information that the staff wants out. Mm-hmm. And we did see a lot of buzz like this last year with Makai Pittman. And some injuries really set him back. His freshman season, we really didn't get to see as much of him and his growth as we would have seen had he played the full the full roster. And like I've said at nauseum, I'm a huge fan of Pittman and Delgado, but those guys do need a field spacer around yeah. them. It's yeah, they need space. They they need to be in that open field and like good luck trying to tackle mm-hmm. them. But yeah, they need some big dudes out there to take up that space. And that's another reason why I'm really hoping that Spencer Webb does take that next step because boy, I mean if he's running up the seam yeah. That's only going to clear more space for those middle linebackers and those safeties for these little water bugs to get in there and cause mm-hmm. all kinds of damage. And Webb's proven himself to be a really good blocker in the open field also. So yeah. I think that that's, again, it's the mosaic, right? It's yeah. not just like getting good players. It's taking your really good players and making them better by amplifying their strengths. Because Webb started to look kind of like a one-trick pony at first, but he's yes. definitely a more well-rounded player than mm-hmm. I think a lot of people gave him credit for. 
Speaking of well-rounded players, we want to send a shout-out to Keith Brown, linebacker in the 2021 class, who was named to the All-American team this year. He'll be participating in probably all the big high school bowl games. Yes. And, uh, hopefully, will bring a little bit more of like that national clout to what Mario Cristobal has done in recruiting in his tenure here. Also cool to see an Oregon kid not only being recognized by giving a scholarship at the University of Oregon, which is rarer than you would think, and, but also just on the national level, I don't think a kid from Lebanon has ever made an All-American team. No, it's great. you got to really root for a kid like that, especially the hometown kid. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really, really fun to watch. Um, and then more just good news. One of our favorite media people, Bill Simmons, uh, has just been praising Justin Herbert about as much as we have. And it was just, it's good. To, I just wanted to throw that in there. It's fun it's just, to hear. It's just so good. As somebody that you know, I listen to a lot that is now becoming like a big fan <laughs> and you hear like, even on the uh, Against All Odds podcast, you're hearing the Degenerate Gamblers talking about like Justin Herbert under overs has just made me so happy. Well, and also, I'll, I'll throw one of my newest favorite podcasts, the Greenlight Pod with Chris Long. Mm-hmm. He has turned over the the fantasy franchise keys to Justin Herbert. Yeah. So it's, I mean, this guy, he's a fun story, A, because he's in L.A., but also just the rookie phenom. The NFL loves these kinds of players over the last couple of years, and I'm a little worried about that because he's already getting those big-time comparisons, and I, I, I just want to make sure that we stay in reality in regards to what Herbert is and we don't start talking about him as one of the next great quarterbacks in the NFL too early. Right. I've heard a little bit of like, did Cincinnati like screw up by drafting Joe Burrow? And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> now, now that's a different conversation, which I think actually is more applicable because I oh, think there's a chance. Really? I think there's a chance that Burrow could go down as the guy that got drafted before Herbert. And I said this a little, we've talked about this before, right? And again, Burrow's very good. And he's showing how good he is by taking that terrible Bengals offensive line and elevating them to what they're doing. Don't get me wrong. I just think that Herbert's ceiling is even higher. I think that if you switch Herbert and Joe Burrow right now on the teams they're on, we're going to be having a much different conversation. I don't think that Herbert has the tools to handle that situation in Cincinnati the way that Joe Burrow has. I couldn't agree with you more. I 100%. I think all of these quarterbacks landed in the perfect scenarios, which you don't see. Well, again, Cincinnati's never a perfect scenario, but for their personality what we perceive as their personalities here in the national you know media scape i think Tua landing in miami mm-hmm. being able to learn from a guy like fitzy and like all that and herbert landing in a place like la where he kind of got treated with kid gloves at first and the only reason he even made it out there was like a surprise you know he didn't Freak i think it, yeah, yeah i think if he would have prepared he would have been worse yeah, and i think this too. whole situation could have been worse so it's it's so fun to see these three quarterbacks and we're going to get a chance to see two of this next week I'm really, really, I am so excited to watch these three because this could, this could also be like a Marino class. Mm -hmm. You know, this could go back as an all-time, all-time quarterback class. And that's what it was touted as a couple years ago. Right. Yeah. Before people even knew what Burrow was going to be this good, this class was touted as being one of the best quarterback classes in NFL recent history. Back when Tua was locked in, it's a guaranteed number one. Yeah. Nobody was going to overtake him. Absolutely. And then, and Herbert was kind of nipping on his heels. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's, and there's other guys. I mean, look at what Jordan Love could be in Green Bay. I mean, there's other potential quarterbacks that can really take that jump. So it's fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I was going to ask you this. Um, 
Do you think that Herbert's play is why Tua is starting now? No, I think this was always the plan. Yeah. I, I think I don't even think that Flores had a choice. I think this was something that management said, like, hey, after the bye week. Yeah, after the bye week, take your opportunity, get him ready. If he's healthy, we want to see him before that. Mm-hmm. You know, like for little, you know, snippets or whatever. And that's why we saw him in that game right before. You feel for a guy like Fitzpatrick, but I think that he went and he had to know going into the season this was the, this was the plan. Right. I, I we talked about he this said being he was the kind of caught off guard, but yeah. but we talked about this being well, it's Fitzpatrick in the media True. though. We talked about this being the plan for Herbert. Yeah. I thought we were going to see him after their bye week. This is a really common thing, mm-hmm. especially in the last five years, for NFL quarterbacks to kind of marinate. And then when they're given that chance to get two weeks of full preparation, full first-team reps, now we're going to throw them out there and see what they can do. And we've seen it backfire. I mean, look at what Daniel Jones and Darnold are battling with right now in, in New York, where we're seeing it backfire to some degree. I mean, Jones, I mean, we can talk a little bit about that run from Daniel Jones. He was running Jones. 22 miles an hour. Let's not make fun of him <laughs> No, it's just, it, it was just one of those situations where it's just like, as a, and again, I'm going to pull the race card here, but it says, as a white guy sitting on my couch <laughs> watching this white quarterback run, it just, I felt for him because you, you know, you just, and thank goodness they scored. You know yeah, what I mean? You just I you know. just know the I roasting know. in the locker room, and even the, the the teammates were laughing at him on the sidelines. Like Danny, you've got a, a big screen. You don't have to try to look over <laughs> your shoulder. Like don't don't expose your lack of athleticism in that way, where you can't you know chew gum and run at the same time. But it was impressive, like you said, for him even to make the play and to get up to a top speed like that. It's incredible, and I I still think there's hope for him. I hope Sam Darnold gets traded. But I'm just saying that this has backfired in the past. Mm-hmm. So to see it work so well with Burrow, to see it work so well with Big Herb, I'm hoping it works out the same way for Tua because he's I he's been my favorite quarterback for this whole class. Lefty running, he's like a little Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. I really, really hope that he can go out there and be successful. And it's just going to be fun to watch these three guys for the next 10, 20 years. Yeah, well, the way it's going now, they're looking at more like 20. Uh, I do feel for Tua a little bit. You're welcome to the NFL moment. It's against Aaron Donald. They've talked about that a lot. Yeah, and I really hope they protect that kid. That that would be... You you may hear me crying next week on this podcast (laughs) if Tua goes out there and gets broken by Aaron Donald. Yeah, he's been hurting people this year. Uh, there was that play where he threw Ezekiel Elliott into uh, Dak Prescott. That man, how he doesn't win MVP every year, I'm still not quite sure. It's... But it just goes to show that football is not... Anyway, yeah. that's a different conversation. And we're going to segue here ever so not slightly into our conversation <laughs> about the tight end room here in good old Eugene, Oregon. I mean, this this is something we talked a little bit about a couple podcasts ago, but this is a fun group. Yeah. And they have, got a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything in this, this group. Is, this is exciting. This is my favorite group to keep an eye on this year Uh, i'm gonna do a little selfless plug for myself right now that i do have a tight end group uh preview coming out on ducknews.com the relaunching of the website will be november 1st right right before the season starts yes sir sneaking it in there uh where you can have kind of the uh the more written out uh i don't want to say well thought but more structured version of my thoughts here that we're going to talk about moving forward hey don't he's still reading off a notepad over here he's pretty structured when he shows up (laughs) the kid does his research the kid's organized i'm the one that's flying by the seat of my pants over here but that's why you love us we're being a little bit of different we bring a little bit of everything yin and a yang so the players that have left uh, from last season, obviously Jacob Breeland, who was having the amazing year, who had 26 catches, 405 yards, was on the uh, mid-season All-American list. He is now floating around in the NFL. Matt Mariota, who never played, and then Ryan Bay, who five catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown last year and graduated. Uh, so, I mean, losing a lot of production there. 
the new faces in town, uh, we have Tyler Nanny, great name, who redshirted last year, is out of, I believe he's out of like Sacramento. He was the 219th ranked player coming out of California. He is coming in at six foot eight, two hundred and forty three pounds. You can do a lot with that frame. That's a large man. Yeah, uh, very curious to see how he moves on the field. Um, Isn't that how tall the mountain is? Isn't the mountain six foot eight from Game of Thrones? To be honest, I don't know. I think yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is my really favorite moment of the podcast. There. I have to get Shane at least once completely <laughs> derailed, and we just did it. Uh, he was a basketball player, kind of turned football player in high school. Of course school. he was! Go figure, you see a lot with these tight ends. We also have Cooper Schultz. I like this story. I'm kind of hoping he gets on the field this year, or at some point in his career at Oregon. He's a walk-on from Jesuit High School up in Portland. He missed pretty much all of his junior and senior season uh, in high school. Had a full-ride scholarship to Cal Poly, a couple other California schools. Decided to take the walk-on. And come bet on himself here in Oregon. I like that. Yeah, I like another that. another former Rose School player. <laughs> um, but then this is the big one that it would be the fun one to really keep your eye on. That's new to the position here at Oregon. It's DJ Johnson, who Duck fans be familiar with as a defensive end slash outside linebacker from last year. He was now a- is this for sure that he is moving to tight end? Wow. Okay, so this is big news. Then yeah. and I just whistled. I got so excited. <laughs> He was a transfer. He played his freshman year at Miami, sat out his sophomore year, played last year. Uh, he finished with 14 tackles, 10 solo, 5 for a loss, a couple sacks. He's six foot five, two fifty eight. 258. Kid He's moves. Big. Yeah. He reminds me a little bit of Dante Rosario. Yes, I very think that, much. That's I a hope, great, yeah. I hope that they use him in that kind. Of, I want to see a backfield with like Cyrus on one wing, DJ on the other. Throw two backs behind Shook and let's go. Like what side we run into? You don't know well, what kind of. We're gonna run power. We're gonna run sweeps. We're gonna run jet. We're gonna run all kinds of different well, stuff. Well, this is a Joe, Joe Moorhead offense that used more tight ends and more creative ways at Mississippi mm-hmm. State and at Penn State. And in that pistol formation, the mm-hmm. tight ends and H backs get used a little bit more. So I mm-hmm. yeah, this could be really fun yeah you can mm-hmm. kind of put that in the pistol wing t where you have the the backup tight end or whatever yeah. sitting behind you in the two to three tight end set could be really cool i don't really know how he's going to be used more in the uh we'll just use a couple players on this team and more of the hunter camp Moyer sense or in the spencer webb sense where they're going to have him kind of do a little bit of everything down the field or if they're going to have him more of just a blocking role well and not to take too much away from what you're going to talk about later on but they've made efforts and Kent Moore has talked about very publicly how he wants his hands to improve how he wants to become a better receiver so they're really trying to make all of these guys well-rounded so they're not you know when they put you know Camp Moyer and McCormick out there we're not saying hey we're going to run the ball you mm-hmm. know what I mean they want it to be a little bit of a disguise I'm this is just an interesting move for a guy going into his senior year mm-hmm. to make this kind of a change they must feel like this is his best chance to make it at the next level or just his best chance to make a real impact on this team and then that's the case Adding a guy like that to an already very deep position for his senior, that's really curious. It seems like they're not moving him over there to just have him be on the bench. You wouldn't think so? Yeah. I mean, that's like kind of... I mean, this tells me we might not see Patrick Herbert at all this year. I... Yeah. Or maybe he's just not as good as people want him to be. Well, I mean, look, Matt Mariota, what are his stats last year? None. I mean, it's... They're... They're... There's some similarities there between Matt Mariota and Patrick Herbert, now, where I, they're the younger brother. I had a chance to see Patty a little bit. I mean, I never saw you know the Mar- the younger Mariota up close. I mean, Patty's a good athlete. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, again, former basketball Walker player. Basketball. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a very good athlete. I haven't seen him move too much on the football field, and just like I saw him in some drills, but I haven't seen him otherwise. So it's 
This could be a situation where they realize he's maybe further away than they want him to be. This could be a situation where, like, hey, we don't want to have all of our tight end, you know, relying upon Mr. Spencer Webb. You know, there could be a lot of things at play here. But I think the you hit on the key thing there where Moorhead just wants versatility. Mm -hmm. He wants guys that can do a lot of different things. And I think that's exactly what we're going to see from this group. And in a Mario Cristobal system, we have seen players move positions and it not be permanent. True. He could easily move back to the defensive side of the ball. This could be a situation where we just want him to be a Swiss Army knife. Maybe mm -hmm. he's this year's Daewoo Davis. Exactly. That's exactly the point I was going to make where, you know, these players can benefit so much from learning just other things and maybe it could help him on the defensive side of the ball. How can it not? I did go back and watch a bunch of his high school tape. Of course just looking you for any offensive plays in there. And they're sprinkled in. They use them in special teams and you know, how you use your star player in high school. You just try and put them on any spot yep. you can that's yep. impactful. And he's athletic. He moves the ball well. He caught a couple passes that I saw. And when he does catch a pass, good luck bringing him down. Yeah. It's I mean, that's the other thing. Impressive. I mean, kid's a great athlete. I mean, mm -hmm. I've never had any question about that. So it's fun to see him get a chance, hopefully now, to see him with the ball in his hands. And so the players that we have seen at this position already at the U of O, uh, as you mentioned, Patrick Herbert, he redshirted last year. He was a four-star recruit. He was the number one player coming out of Oregon in 2019. He has all the accolades, but we have also seen players from the Eugene area struggle at the next level just because of the lack of competition here. It takes time to adjust to the speed, the mm -hmm. physicality. I mean, again... Do yourself a favor. We don't have Oregon high school football this year, but next year, if you're listening to this, go watch some Oregon high school football and you'll just, you'll see a difference. And it's just, unfortunately, it's across the board here in Oregon where we just don't have the population that necessarily, like, that brings out those top tier athletes on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then if you do see like your Keith Browns, like <laughs> they stick out. <laughs> yeah. Like 38 tackles a game. Like, hmm. <laughs> That's different. Yeah. Probably go play in Georgia. When you saw it with Nathan Biddle on the basketball side too, it's yeah. like, oh, that kid's different. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah that makes sense. Something, yeah, it kind of stands out. You notice the really good one. Um, so also Hunter Campmore, we touched on earlier last year, five catches, fifty-nine yards, one touchdown. That is eleven point eight yards a catch, which is more than Spencer Webb. So I mean, he kind of he does have those skills, and the uh, the element of surprise is kind of his best friend at this point he's just got to work on those pancake hands mm -hmm. he's just got to i mean i hope he's working on the gun i hope he's just working on catching balls from all kinds of different angles turning i mean because that's that's one of the hardest parts i think is being a tight end is you catch the ball from different angles mm -hmm. you know it's just you're running different routes and you've got to be able to get your body around to actually be able to catch the ball so i saw too many body catch attempts by him last year um Hopefully he can. I, I'm rooting for this kid. I like Hunter Camp. I love him. I think he could really be. But again, he can be the the back and forth between McCormick and Webb. And he's so big. I'm honestly surprised he's able to get his hands where he yeah. can. I mean, yeah. I, he's a massive human. As being. another, he reminds me a little bit of Jacob Hollister to bring it back to another yeah. Seahawk. Oh God. <laughs> Moving on. You did this um, to yourself. Spencer Webb, who we just touched on a little bit earlier, uh, last year 18 catches, 209 yards, 11.6 per catch, and three scores, famously the one in the opener against Auburn at Cowboy Stadium where he did the Allen Iverson step over to the guy who was covering him, showing the attitude very early on in the season. That, that play shows me everything that I want Spencer Webb to be and everything that I don't want Spencer yeah. Webb to be. And again, kid's got all the talent in the world, can he challenge it? 
mm-hmm. Canny Channel. He'll be sporting some brand new tattoos this year. If you follow his Instagram anymore, because it is it's an it's a uh, entertaining. Uh, well, and I'm not sure if he was the impetus for this, but Cyrus has been going around testing everybody's gold and diamonds <laughs> just to make sure that things are legit. So that's I wonder. I wonder <laughs> a little like bit. A if you're not following Cyrus, do it. He's just the best. Um. So I mean, I'd be looking for Spencer Webb to be up there as probably the team's you know top one or two red zone threats they need him to be yeah they need him to be uh another guy big frame has the you know basketball player body yada 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 um but definitely has like a lot more athleticism than these other guys he has the speed i mean Mm -hmm. he has the speed element he has that I almost made a very bad comparison there, but he has the ability to really stretch the field. What Seahawk player? No, it wasn't a Seahawk. It was a Patriot. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But he has that ability to be, I mean, like if you've got one guy on the other other side who's a mauler who can block. I mean, McCormick's got pretty good hands when you've seen him healthy. So I think that he could be the Gronk. Right. To the Aaron Hernandez over on the other side, and mm-hmm. I, I don't. And I it, think we're past the statute limitation. Yeah, I don't make that comparison in any other again. way. Yeah, you know what I mean? We think he's gonna kill people. But I just I think that he could be that. He can be the guy running up the scene. He can be the guy running some of those deep posts, those deep overs, where McCormick's kind of eating up more of the linebackers underneath. Mm-hmm. And that was the last player to touch on the the sixth year senior. He was granted his sixth year of eligibility after missing. Basically, the last two seasons, he was injured on the first play of the game in 2018 against Bowling Green. Just a it's, brutal, brutal career from an injury perspective. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, he's like the million-dollar man and we can just rebuild him. Yeah, last year, I mean, not around this time, but, you know, right before the season started, all indications were that he was going to play, he was healthy, he was good to go. And then, getting great buzz from him out of camp, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Breland, obviously, a lot of people were loving it, but, I mean, McCormick, we were hearing a lot of good things. Yeah, I mean, we were looking at, like, basically, like, the Breland-Webb combo being, like, the McCormick-Webb combo of this year, uh, but suffered some sort of setback, whether it was physical, mental, we don't really know. There's not a lot lot of information on it but uh it's good to see that he's given another chance we like when the ncaa actually does the right things it's rare that they do it um sedona prince and uh free sedona (laughs) but yeah i think it's definitely you know a feel-good moment you know that first touchdown he gets this season is going to be almost like a tear-jerking i will probably uh, cry and then jump off my couch yeah Yeah, this is a guy that i'm really rooting for again we we're a semi-professional amateur podcast here, but we definitely have guys that we've had a chance to kind of, you know, talk with, whether it's an interview, whether it's we've just done deep dives on them, and we, we were, we're a little attached to certain guys. And mm-hmm. Cam McCormick is one of those guys for us as a podcast. Yeah, so really, I mean, this whole position, there's a lot to look for. I mean, we're looking for some guys to improve, some guys to make, like, leaps and bounds. Some guys, we're looking to just see see them on the field. Yes. So, and just seeing what they can do. So it's going to be really interesting moving forward. And I think it's the... Probably the tight ends and linebackers are what I'm most interested in moving into the season. I'm up there with you. I think that that running back room is going to be something that I'm really curious to see just how everything shakes out. Um, Tight end, absolutely. Um, And then I'm still curious how this whole quarterback thing is going to play out. You know, like I said, I'm rooting for Shook, but you know my guy over there, Anthony Brown, is going to be ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll we'll see them both. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun season and looking forward to it. We'll probably break down another position group right before the season starts. Do a little season preview next week. We are officially on countdown mode towards actual football. And we're going to segue now into some fake 
basketball <laughs> and just have a big old left turn here and talk about a fun poll that Oregon men's basketball Twitter account went and threw up. There's definitely some some their EFG combos I would have liked to see here as opposed to just the ABCD. I thought it was interesting the players that they did pick though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to let Shane uh, break it down for you here and then we'll get into a little bit. So the, the question here is... If you're playing three on three, what two former Ducks do you want on your team? We have four options here. Uh, A, Peyton Pritchard and Fred Jones. B, Dylan Brooks and Ron Lee. C, Bull Square and Aaron Brooks. D, Jordan Bell and Terrell Brandon. I literally didn't know who you were talking about when you said Bull Squared at first, but now I'm with you. I came up with it when I was writing it down. I was like, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I guess the first question is, what combos would you have liked to see them put on this list that aren't there? Obviously, Luke to Luke. Yeah, Luke to Luke. Maybe like or like Tyler Dorsey, Luke Jackson. Or oh, yeah, because I guess they did try to break guys up, right? Yeah, yeah which makes sense. Which um, makes sense. And then like because the way I was looking at it too, for which what I would pick, I have them ranked in uh, in order of you know, where I would put myself on with these teams. Yes. Is, you know, you want to have, like, a rebounder and, like, a scorer with there. So you can kind of do, like, because, you know, you and me are okay. Yeah, we're all right. Not compared to these Different players. We're we're different minds. And that's where I'm curious to see which duo you would, because it's going to be different just upon our skill sets and playing Mm -hmm. styles, too. So I went with Bull Bull and Aaron Brooks. Okay, all right, all right. That's the team I picked. Okay, let's hear why. Uh, I think on this team, I can just set picks. I can just let these guys go. I mean, Bill Bobol has the rebounding ability, but he probably doesn't have like the effort. I can supply that. You know? <laughs> I can be the guy that just really boxing out, get low, and just really put my butt into somebody. And then Aaron Brooks, I'm not a great ball handler. In high school, I had a two dribble rule. If uh, <laughs> if I dribbled it more than twice, I was coming out of the Hey, game. at least it wasn't one or none. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least I got out there. And uh, <laughs> as rare as it was. Absolutely. But, um, so I think I can go out there, do the effort stuff that, you know, Bulbul and Aaron Brooks are probably two of the more talented players that, you know, didn't have the, the grit. I think that Valid. I'm going to supply Valid. that. Yeah. And then let them just get buckets. No, that's super valid. That's super valid. Um, so I have I have two different answers for this question. For me, 15 years ago, I'm taking Dylan Brooks and Ron Lee. Because I'm going to jump out there. I'm going to run the point. I can distribute. They can be my wing shooters. They can be my pick and roll guys. I'm just going to be throwing alley-oops all day long, throwing them out to the corner. Me right now, I'm more along your lines. If I'm going to go out there, I'm going to be the screen setter. You know, I'm going to be the effort guy. And I just, I can't pass up the opportunity to play next to Jordan Bell. So I'm, I'm going D. I'm going to have Terrell Brandon and I running that pick and roll with Bell down there in the dunker spot. Or him and Bell running the pick and roll and me in the corner being that, just that white guy catch and shoot. That's so exactly. If I have my <laughs> second choice. I just wrote, I'm going to find open spots. Yes. I'm just going to kind of let them do well, a lot of stuff. And, and I'm going to space. Do yourself a favor and go watch some T. Brandon footage. He's that so dude was so good. Was so He was Aaron Brooks before Aaron Brooks. So quick. Had a very similar NBA career. You know, maybe not as long as A.B. Because A.B. was just an alien in that way. The way he was able to stick around for so long. Alien shit and he kind of looked like an alien. I mean, yeah. I remember that day he walked into the Rex and I was like, who the f*** is this little <laughs> yeah. 5'11 kid? And then he started killing people. He has an odd-shaped head. Um, now, if you would have taken... Anybody else and put them on team A with Fred Jones, I'm picking that team. But I just I can't I can't play on that team. I can't play on that team. I'll never touch the ball. 
Uh, yeah, like, I wrote, they're my fourth choice. Uh, <laughs> I wrote, I'd, I'd have to work too hard because, like, I'd have to do, I'd have to rebound a lot. Like, they'd be, like, leaning on you and be like, dude, you're the tallest person on this team. Well, Fred Jones is probably about 6'6". No, six, you six, make, four. he's 6'6". Six, 6'6"? Six. Six, six? Yeah, Freddie, okay. Freddie Jones is big. But you'd make a mistake and Pritchard would, like, do that death layer and be like, I'm going to punch you in the face. Yeah. Like, don't. Now, if I could pick a team that's not on here, like, I just kind of, like, out of my, like, cult, like, fandom... Give me Tuam Porter and give me Arslan Kazemi. That would be a really fun team. Like if I'm just going to like a rec tournament and I'm just like picking two dudes to like go run with me, like that, those would be two fun, fun teammates to have. Like that aren't necessarily in the the common, you know, spectrum of duck fans, maybe. Right. I'm trying to think about who. It's a tough one. Yeah, I might go with like Katron. There you go. And Jovan would be fun. Katron, because then I'm not I'm not rebounding at all. No, you got a post guy. Yeah, you got a dude. Gonna, yeah, I'm not even gonna go in the paint. And for guard, I might go with Tyler Dorsey, just like a catch and shoot gunner. And this in that game, I'm probably taking zero shots. And I'm probably getting like six assists. I think we have our Twitter poll this week. So if it's if it's me, Tawan Porter, and Kazemi versus you. And Katron and Dorsey. Dorsey, who's winning that game? Oh, I think we're taking that. I think we're taking that, dude. <laughs> I don't think Porter's gonna roast guard. you. <laughs> <laughs> Porter's gonna go out there. There's no way TD's gonna guard him on the perimeter. Oh, yeah. That'd be a fun game. That'd be really, really yeah. fun. The Dylan Brooks Ron Lee team would be. I, that's a team I wouldn't want to play against. Oh, the D. Good luck getting a bucket. Yeah. Like yeah, my goodness. Smash mouth basketball. And I just wrote pass, 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 pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe out there running the Princeton <laughs> offense on three You'll on three. You think that the ball is hot lava? And oh my gosh. Fun stuff. Okay, so um, I want to close just a quick little social media thing. Uh, the mother of ducklings uh, bestowed some awesome shoes on the rest of the uh, women's basketball program. If you haven't seen that on the good old interwebs, go check that out. Mother of ducklings always taking care of her ducklings here. Always going to be an amazing um, face of the, the program here for the University of Oregon. And again, we, we didn't talk at all about the WME on this podcast. I just feel like we got to get in at least once. Um, there's all kinds. I mean, if you want to watch some international basketball right now, Ruthie is out there just absolutely crushing it. Satu's having a lot of fun. I mean, she, mm-hmm. she's posting all the, all the mirror selfies, all the elevator videos and all that kind of stuff. Get out there and support Ms. Moore's new apparel company, Top Two, Not Two. Um, just, Whatever that means. Yeah, I mean, I think we figured it out. It's it's your top two, but you're not two. It means you're number one, which is this podcast should just be you know the top two, not two podcast. <laughs> so, Ms. Moore, if you want to send us some gear and you want us to you know get out there and pub you a little bit more, I mean, we should just buy it. That that's like the that's like you going to your friends Etsy and being like, hey, I really like this painting, but can you give it to me for fifty percent off? <laughs> like, Defeating don't do that. The yeah. whole purpose of what the don't do that. There. If you're gonna do that for your friend, pay extra. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, there you go. yeah, do that. Do that for your friend. So in that case, go supporter. Um, you got anything else today, Shane? Uh, no. no that was a good, good one. That yeah. was a good one. Thank you. We love you. We out. Peace. I gave my love a cherry that had no stone. I gave my love a chicken that had no bones. I give. Sorry.